Well, it is that time once again. It's time for another edition of the Unlike Any Other, the UMAC podcast. YMRL with me is Ryan Mitchell. And Ryan, coming up on the new year, which means more conference games are about to get rolling here soon enough. I mean, I know you're excited about that. That's great news for you, as it is for me, right? <laughs> yeah, I think everyone's happy about that. And it's just the waiting period. And like I said last time, Wyatt, rest up, folks. Enjoy the rest because it's going to get real hot and heavy real soon here. Before we dive into the content here on this edition, just a reminder for everyone, we had an announcement in our last podcast stating what our new plan is moving forward with creating content, so make sure to check that one out if you haven't already. Also, feel free to follow us on our Twitter, unlike any other, the UMAC, or you can shoot us an email if you have any questions about that as well, and we'll fill you in on it, UAO, the UMAC at gmail.com. But it's going to look a little different moving forward. Obviously, we didn't release this one this week on Wednesday, and that might not be the case moving forward as well. So just a heads up for people on that. With that being said, though, Ryan, this is going to be an interesting pod. We're going a little bit different route here. We're in between Christmas and the new year now. There hasn't been much action going on. A couple teams are playing here and there, but for the most part, it's been pretty quiet. And with that being the case, we thought we could use this as an opportunity to reflect on the year that has been in 2021 as 2022 is upon us, but at the same time also give out some resolutions for other teams in the conference as well. Every team in the conference actually is going to get a resolution tonight from one of us as far as what they can improve on heading into the new year. So with that being said, I'm excited to get into it. Let's start with the top five moments from the 2021 year regarding UMAC basketball and if you maybe want to explain to the listeners what we mean by that we kept it pretty vague for the most part yeah we kept it really vague I mean anything that has any semblance of UMAC basketball whether it's an individual team or involving a couple teams anything that happened in the last year it was a wacky year why there were stoppages but hey the UMAC was one of the conferences in the country that was fortunate enough to have a conference schedule and have some nice moments from this past year so looking forward to diving into this i don't know if you ranked yours from five to you one know, if you will or one to five but it's it's funny you just said that because i'm looking at my list and i was thinking the same thing i didn't <laughs> but i probably okay. should have and i probably can come up with it on the spot pretty quick so if you want to go first with your number sure. five because i'm assuming you did i mean that's just that's the kind of person you are. You're you're <laughs> wired and ready to go that way. I'm I'm prepared some of the time. I had some more time this week in the uh, prep time to get ready to go. So yes, I will start things off with my number five moment of 2021. And for me, why it was the Minnesota Morris Cougars men's squad back on February the 20th in their big time home win against Bethany Lutheran put up 115. Kind of a shocker, taking down the Vikings 115-86, to whopping 58% from the field, 64% from downtown Wyatt. They shot 11 of 15 from downtown in just the second half alone. Dylan Hyder leading the way with 31. Just an explosion offensively for the Cougars that day. Yeah, that's certainly one I think it'd be an understatement to say that they're going to remember that one for a long time. I mean, anytime you put up 115, a pretty special performance there from the Cougars. My number five, we're going to the women's side of things here, and this is more of an individual accomplishment. Hannah Geisfeld, preseason All-American this year. To me, when was the last time we can say that about a UMAC basketball player on the men's or women's side? I mean, does anything come to the top of your head when you think All-American? 
I mean, uh, you're the UMAC historian, so I def- defer well, to you. But I mean, I, I mean, Tim that, Tim Wendell pops in my head, but I don't think I don't he ever he, got an accolade like that. So yeah, I don't think he ever was given that status. And with the way she's been playing this year, I mean, she's got a chance to earn that honor at the end of the year as well. So stand she's by living for up that. to the hype. And I'll just I'll uh, throw in uh, more on that later. Just a little tease. So Ooh, anyway, <laughs> well now you got me wondering because that's not something we talked about off the air. So I guess we'll have to just go through these quicker so we can get to that. But anyways, no, yeah, that's my number five. Do you want to go snake? So now I give my number four, and then you sure. go four three. Let's make it interesting. I we love the snake. Let's do that. We we do love the snake. Number four, I'm gonna go northwestern on this one. Noah Alm breaking what was his own scoring record at the time, and he broke it again when he took on that Minnesota Morris Cougar squad that you mentioned. That was in 2021, correct? I I correct. just have to yep. confirm. The There's day, something about that Jim Wyatt where the ball's just going through the hoop at an absurd level. <laughs> clearly. A big, big open space. It just feels like it's bigger, I guess, the rim. I, I don't know what it is. But, no, he broke his own record that he had already set. And uh, who knows? He might even have a chance to break it again this year. Again, stand by and let's see if he can do it. But, to me, that's a pretty significant moment anytime you have a player break a school record when it comes to points. So, I give Noel all my number four spot for that. That was quite the night for the uh, Forest Lake product. All right, now I will give my number four, and this is working out nicely. I promise, folks, we did not plan it this way, but we're going back (laughs) to the woman's side of things. My number four moment was Bethany Lutheran College back in March completing a three-peat, back-to-back-to-back conference tournament titles, and why they did it by winning back-to-back road contest taking down Northwestern on that Saturday afternoon and then a quick turnaround to Monday evening at North Central just barely hanging on a ferocious comeback from the Rams to win 75 to 72. I don't care what sport we're talking about what level we're talking about men or women to win three consecutive titles that's tough to do big time moment for coach Jones and his club. Yeah, no question about it. And like you said, with the quick turnaround, I certainly hope that doesn't happen this year where they have to play the championship on a Monday. It's just No, it's, it's going to be better. the last Saturday in February, Why It's already it's, on the schedule. Yep. Well, I'm just saying things change, Ryan. And <laughs> no, I, they're I'm not, not going to. We talked about this earlier. That's not going to change. We will they, we will contact the commissioner's office if it is changed to a Monday night. Until they play the game itself, they're on the court ready to tip that ball <laughs> in the air. I'm just saying. You never know what's going to happen. But, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Three in a row, big win for them, and uh, certainly a memorable moment. All right, so now I do one more, correct? You got your number three now, yep. All right, so my number three was a moment also in March, a couple weeks later, on a mundane Saturday afternoon where you're just kind of like, ah, whatever, March the 13th, Northwestern hosting this club from Illinois, this Trinity Club, the Trolls, okay, whatever. North Central Region Final, I'm kind of downplaying this. The NCCAA Tournament you after know, Northwestern I, won the UMAC. I was on the baseball field at the time, you know, just, uh, you know. Wait, where were you, in, in Missouri or Kansas? You're talking about the regional championship. Or no, you were, you were in Center. Iowa. You were in Iowa, weren't you? We were outside of the Erickson Center, actually. At, oh, uh, actually, you Reynolds, weren't that far away. We were at Reynolds Field, and uh, if I know what you're about to say, I'll get into a story about it after, <laughs> but give us your moment first. Yeah, so I'm just uh, building up, uh, uh, kind of downplaying the moment, but a great game back and forth. Both teams looking to keep their season alive. Winner wins the North Central region. Loser 
their season's over, and uh, Eagles needed a shot late. Uh, Henry Fonboulet got a rebound, raced out to the corner, pump fake, got it off just in time, buzzer beater three, wins the game for Northwestern. It ends up being the number one play on SportsCenter's top ten later that night. The freshman from Maple Grove has a moment he will never forget. And before I hand it off to you, Wyatt, one thing I want to highlight real quickly is the moment of the crowd. Last year stunk, okay, with all the restrictions and so many gyms and fans not able to be there at full capacity. And it wasn't a full capacity crowd that day. But the people that were there were in it. And just looking back to that moment when the shot's in the air and you can literally hear everyone hold their breath, and then the exultation and the excitement that erupted when that ball went through the net, I mean, it, it gives me chills even looking back and thinking about it. So just that moment of the crowd where we didn't have enough of those last year, that was something special inside of the Erickson Center. So what what was your perspective on that moment? Well, I wish I could have been there right next to you calling it, and uh, who knows if we were going crazy or something together maybe we would have got in that clip on sports center as well you know they would have left the audio or something but it's not it's not about us why it's about henry okay it's about the people it's about the kids you're right it's about it's about the kids as we're basically the same age as these kids we're talking about right now but anyways my perspective on that is we were absolutely just taking a Toulouse throughout there on reynolds field you know having a great game and all of a sudden you know we started hearing some murmuring and stuff going on and then one of our assistant coaches was like yeah, they just won on a buzzer beater, and they pulled it up on their phone, and some of us, and we probably shouldn't have been doing this while the <laughs> baseball game is going on, we're watching the shot back on the replay as our baseball game is going on, and yeah, I just remember thinking that's incredible, and the season's still rolling, so heck of a moment for sure for Henry and for Northwestern. Anytime you can get, and it doesn't matter what team it's from, anytime you get a UMAC team on sports center top 10 it's a big deal it, it yeah. shines light on the conference it's great for the conference so that's that's a big moment for the conference as a whole for sure and uh, thanks for noting that why because obviously you know we're northwestern guys and we've said that before on this pod but no matter what umac team that would have been no matter if it's an ncaa game a umac game or an nccaa game it's a big moment so yeah that's an important note yeah no question about that Ab- absolutely so my number three and you're right, we're going back and forth here, so this has kind of worked out well so far. I'm going, again, I took more of an approach, I guess, on some of these from an individual perspective, and you have more of the team uh, to a certain extent through your first couple. I got uh, Alm, he broke the Northwestern record, and number four, I'm going Dominic Urbina, and number three, breaking the crown record and getting Coach Zabla her first career win in the opener this year. I just don't think anybody really expected that. And to me, that was such a signature win for that program. And again, when you tie in the fact that you had another record-breaking performance into it, it'll be one of the highlights to me in this year, no question about it. Yeah, and uh, I'll just say one more time, uh, more on that a little bit later on uh, Dominique Urbina. So there's a little what bit of a tease. in the world? <laughs> I, I don't understand. You've tied that in now. Is it a separate tease from uh, Geisfeld, or is this somehow tied no, together? No, it's, it's separate. Stay tuned oh, for the resolutions, folks. I'll just say stay tuned for uh, later on in the pot. All right, my number two, I'm going back to the men's championship this past year, Northwestern Scholastica. 
as of right now, it was the last game between the two programs. We don't know if they're ever going to play each other again because they've been <laughs> hey, on the schedule to play I, each other twice last, this year. Last I heard, Wyatt, they're working on it. So not on the schedule yet. I check almost every day, but I think sounds, they're working on it still. <laughs> sounds like a big disappointment waiting to happen. But anyways, <laughs> what a game that was up there in Duluth. Northwestern caps off the conference championship. No NCAA tournament last year, which was disappointing, but... After losing to the Saints in the regular season, they bounce back, get them at their gym, win the conference tournament, and really, that'll be for the most part what gets remembered from the historic rivalry in a sense, because even though they'll play each other in non-conference games moving forward, that was the official last conference game between those two programs, and for a rivalry that has really, in my opinion, elevated this league and elevated the status of this league over the years, to see it go is sad, but to know it happened makes me makes me smile a little bit and look back on some of the games they had and I don't know. I just I think that was a big moment in twenty twenty one to watch Northwestern win that championship and to see that last game play out between those two squads as rivals. Kind of felt like a fitting way to end the rivalry, if you will, didn't it, Wyatt? In a way. I mean we always felt like Glasgow was going to get over the hump. They finally did, and they beat Northwestern. It, what would that have been? Twenty nineteen, right? Actually, in the tournament. Yeah, no, no. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. I was going to say twenty twenty was before everything hit the fan and went nuts, but no, it was twenty nineteen. Yeah. So no, the, no, no. Wait. No, it was. It was okay, February of twenty twenty. You know what? It does. It doesn't matter at this point. <laughs> it, it was one of those years. Yeah. People who are diehard UMAC fans know what we're talking about. <laughs> they got the win, but then Northwestern, a team that controlled the rivalry for the most part, ended up getting the last the last win, I guess. So, yeah, it seemed like a fitting way to end it, and they were going against each other in the conference championship, so what more could you want? All right, so now i got to do my number two and number one. Is that yeah, how we're doing you it? might as well just rattle them off one by one here. This is working flawlessly. We're going to you know, teeter back the other way, going back and forth here. My number two moment, back to the woman's side of things, the North Central Rams last year on just an ordinary night in St. Bonifacius taking on Crown College, they pick up a win, Wyatt, their 10th straight, and for them it clinched the number one seed in the UMAC tournament, meaning for the first time ever the UMAC tournament would want, run through downtown U, if you will, were and they downtown you at the time? Yes. Well, it's been that way for a couple of years. You don't believe me, but <laughs> well, the branding just, hasn't gotten the, to you apparently, it's but it's been a thing. the first I've heard of this. That's all I'm saying. You can continue. So the, the thing I want to highlight, though, uh, about that night, and this thing went you know nuts on social media, and he did this a couple of times last year, but he specifically went all out that night, and the he I'm talking about is Coach Paul Bruner. We had him on the pod earlier uh, this year. If you want to go back and listen to that, please uh, feel free to do so. His dance in the locker room that night with all the players waiting, coming in, music bumping, water everywhere. Like I said, it was their 10th straight win. I mean, it was just a banner year for that program, and specifically that night, Wyatt, ending the month of February. It had been a grind for them, a grind for so many teams in the COVID season. But just the excitement, those little moments that aren't even directly related to basketball on the floor, but just enjoying the moment. I mean, they're college kids. Coach Bruner's a kid at heart. He's having fun with them. Just a huge moment for North Central on that night. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that's I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's not one I had on my list, but just looking where they've come the last few years to get to this point, 
it's been a real turnaround there for North Central. And to be a one seed in the conference tournament, I don't think a lot of people would have even thought that to be that plausible that long ago. So uh, certainly a big moment for them in their program. And now looking how it's carried over into this year, certainly something to keep an eye on and see how long they keep it rolling this year and if they can actually take it all the way this time. What's your number one? All right, so this may be a crossover, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. The day was March the 20th. The destination was Winona Lake, Indiana for the NCCAA Division I National Tournament. And on March the 20th, Wyatt, it was the national championship on both the men and women's side of things. And for Northwestern, both their men's and women's squad were both playing in the same building on the same floor within a couple hours of each other on that day with a chance to cut down the nets and be called national champions. And as you mentioned earlier, Wyatt, there was no NCAA tournament. So for Northwestern, at least, as far as they were concerned, that's literally the furthest their season could go was to that final on March the 20th. And a lot of folks listening probably already know this, but if you did not know, the women's squad played first. Unfortunately, they were not able to come up with the win. Then the men followed, and they had a huge win streak coming into that game, and they were able to finish off the season with yet another win and have an improbable run and win a national championship against uh, Ottawa University. Not that anyone cares about that, but cut down the nets later that afternoon. But just for Northwestern basketball as a whole, the men's squad has gotten so much attention over the last decade and change, Wyatt, but the women's squad having that huge run as well and how unique for both squads to be in the same gym, cheering on each other and each getting a chance to play as well, all wrapped up in one afternoon on the road in Indiana when who knew what was going to come about from that season last year when it started to end in that spot together, quite the moment for Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, we we have the same number one, so I, <laughs> and and I think it was pretty, uh, at least from our perspective, an obvious choice. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what more to say on it really, other than it was an incredible run for both teams. I'm more so focused on the men being able to cap it off and win a national championship, and a lot of people maybe say, well, it was the NCCA. I don't think they understand just how difficult it is to still get to that moment. And yeah. still be able to pull that off, though. So it still is an incredibly big deal. And like you said, that's the only option that Northwestern had last year. There was no NCAA tournament. So that was as far as they could go, and they capped it off. And Henry's Sports Center top 10 shot was a part of that run for Northwestern. And Yeah, that's it, a good note. They made do on it. They didn't just go down exactly. to, you know, Indiana and lose and just be like, well, that was a nice moment, but that was the next, you know, best thing. They, you know, took advantage of the uh, further opportunity, if you will. Yeah, when you tie everything in together and just how it all unfolded and played out, it was really a special run and journey for that squad. So uh, to me, that was, like you said, there's a reason I think we both put it number one. So with that being said, I mean, there were lots of great moments. I'm sure we maybe could have even compiled a list of honorable mentions, too. We're not we're not going to go into that now because uh, we, we'd be here again a lot longer than I think anybody would want to listen to us talk at this point. But with that being said, lots of great moments from 2021, and here's to 2022, and we'll see what happens. I'm sure there will be a lot more good ones to come in the year ahead. So, Cheers, Wyatt. I don't have a drink next to me, but cheers. Cheers to that. <laughs> yeah, yep. I mean, we're, we're what, probably a good five hours away from each other right now, but hey, technology. We're, yeah. we're able to do this podcast and say, 
Here's a little cheers. So anyways, moving ahead now, let's take a look at some resolutions for each team in the UMAC as we enter 2022. While 2021 was kinder to others than uh, some, it's a new year, a new opportunity to make a statement, move forward, make some changes, and we're going to discuss what those changes could be for each team. So what we did, Ryan, was each of us had a list of teams that we're going to cover, both on the men's and women's side. We did our research, and we've each come up with one resolution for the teams that we had. So you want to do ladies first and start on the women's side of things and then work our way to the men, or how do you want to do this? Absolutely. There's there's no other way we could do it. We're gentlemen, so we'll absolutely do it that way. Do you want to start, or do you want me to start? I can start if you want me to. So go ahead. I'll, I'll just go in order of the ones that I wrote down. And so the four teams I had was North Central, Morris, Martin Luther, and Northland College on the women's side. I'll start with North Central because I wrote them down first. This is an odd resolution, but in a sense, I think it will benefit them. So hang with me on this one. This is the weirdest one I had by far. <laughs> okay. I put down play in meaningful games, and this goes two different ways. One, that they are in meaningful games in the UMAC tournament in March, that the season isn't just a waste by the time they get there and they're a one-and-done in the conference tournament, or maybe even they get to the NCAA tournament, that'd be another meaningful game, but two, that they play close games in the regular season, because, I mean, if you look at the schedule they've had so far, Ryan, they haven't really been tested, and I don't think they're, they, they should have been tested. They did what they were supposed to do with the competition that they had. They get into conference play now. I think some close games will benefit them as they move forward to that conference tournament. You don't want to be a team that hasn't been tested come March because you don't really know what you're made of then. So if they get tested a little bit in the regular season, I could see that benefiting them down the road. I'm not saying that they should purposely try to be in close games. If they can blow teams out, by all means, blow them out. But I'm just saying I think a resolution for them needs to be they have to get some experience in meaningful games and then come March on the flip side of that, make sure that they're playing in meaningful games and take advantage of the special season that they're having. Sounds like your zags from last year, Wyatt. I kept telling you, you know what? It's not the worst thing for them to be pushed. A loss here wouldn't be the worst thing. When they're down by double digits at Portland on a nondescript weeknight in February, it's not the worst thing. So if North Central goes on the road against Morris or whoever it may be, and they're down 10 with 10 minutes to go, I'm going to text you and say, Wyatt, this is exactly what you were asking for. Uh, You're sounding like PA now with the nondescript and just (laughs) some of the verbiage you're using there. But no, you're, you're, you're right. Right on, though. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt to play in a close game and even drop a game here or there. And again, we'll maybe get into that more once once we get to uh, the later part of the season. If they're still undefeated, that'll become an actual discussion of if they should actually drop a game maybe <laughs> before they get to the tournament. But we'll leave it there for now. But yeah, meaningful games. I think they need to play in some meaningful games and then come March, take advantage of this season and uh, continue to play in meaningful games as long as they can. Alrighty, so I will also go in the order that I wrote mine down. So I had Bethany Lutheran. So we know their squad why it all starts and ends with Hannah Geisfeld. My resolution for the Vikings and for their all their supporters, players, coaching staff, savor Hannah Geisfeld and the closing months that you have with her on your squad and do whatever is humanly possible to keep her healthy and at as close to 100% as she can be as we work down the stretch into late February. What do I mean by that, Wyatt? Okay. If 
we got two hour practices on weekdays and you know they normally go pretty hard and then you know they have only a one hour practice the next day if you need to give her some time to breathe here and there uh have her sit off to the side for a little bit i'm i'm partly kidding i know she's a competitor she wants to practice she wants to be out there with her teammates but the recovery before and after and then in games where they have the result in hand get her out like all the extra things you can be doing wyatt I said it earlier this season in one of the pods or a couple of the pods, and I'm not trying to jinx anything, but at the same time, you always look at these teams, at least I do, and I say, who can they most ill afford to lose? If it's one player or a couple players on the squad, it's guys filled by 10 miles for Bethany for what we've seen so far this year. And so you could say, oh, they got questions about the supporting cast and they need to do more. Just whatever that coaching staff needs to do for a game plan to make sure that she is feeling as good as she can feel for that last week of February. So there's no question that she has near a full tank to empty to try to get them their fourth consecutive UMAC title. You got to get to that point. So maybe the overarching thing for Bethany is have the end goal in mind and then work back from there. You probably just made a lot of Bethany Lutheran fans sad when you start that with savor it. It's almost coming to an end. I mean, this is supposed to be about new beginnings. We're entering a new year, 2022. And then the first thing you jump to is uh, it's coming to an end. You better enjoy it while it lasts because pretty soon you're not going to have this star player. That's that's reality wide. Okay. If I mean, Bethany is, fans are saying that, I'd say look in the mirror and slap yourself and say this is reality. Re- okay. Resolu- this is not okay. a dream. <laughs> resolutions are supposed to make you feel good about yourself and something that you can do though and now they just probably feel terrible about you know what should make them feel good Wyatt thinking about a rocky north gym on a snowy night in February where their squad has a chance to win a fourth straight UMAC tournament title and go to an NCAA tournament again where by the way the last time they were there they upset Bethel and had a massive win that should get Bethany fans excited and looking forward to the future it's getting me excited, that pump-up speech you're giving there. I mean, I'm ready to run through a brick wall now. Uh, anyways, moving moving on here, do you want to uh, switch it up and we can just go every other this time instead? Yeah, we can do that. Keep, that we we got to keep it, you know. Keep, keep people, people on get, their toes. Exactly. Yeah. So the next one I wrote down was Minnesota Morris. And if you remember, Ryan, we did an interview with Coach Grove at the beginning of the year. Of course I remember. Love that conversation three-point shots he said that was the big key for them this year and that was going to be something to keep an eye on so we've been following it here throughout this year hasn't been going very well for the cougars they're shooting just 27 percent. so pretty straightforward got to start making your threes make more three-pointers in 2022 raise that percentage up if you want to have success in conference play they're going to have to shoot the three ball better love it short sweet to the point i'm not going to add anything you hit that one the nail on the head Alrighty, next team that I have written down, Northwestern, Coach Calls Club. Had a great conversation with him on the last pod. Again, if you did not hear that one and would like to, please go back and listen to it. It is there for you to listen to whenever you wish to do so. All right, Wyatt, the resolution I have for the Northwestern Eagles in the year 2022, they need a freshman to step forward, be bold, be courageous, and say, I am going to step up, I'm going to be another scoring option. I'm going to be someone who's dependable, consistent, can space the floor, make winning plays on both ends of the floor. We've heard about the talent of this freshman class for Northwestern and how many options that they have. 
But Coach Call even said it to us why. They're going to have to grow up faster than some people thought with the absence of Brooklyn to Cam and just with the fact of, you know what, a lot of them are getting a lot of playing time, but it's not enough to just be on the floor. you got to do something with it. And one little tease I'll give for maybe who it could be, we saw it earlier this week out in California where Northwestern is right now. Grace Landvik had a huge night. When he plays on both sides of the floor, spaced the floor well, a couple of big-time threes, a couple of huge steals, and was just an option that was like, oh, okay, I see you. Could you be something in the new year like that for Northwestern and give them a secondary scoring option, you know, after Lund and Roberts leading the way and Haley Pop doing her thing? In order for Northwestern to challenge at the top of the UMAC, they're going to need one of their freshmen to step up and raise their game to the next level as we look forward to 2022. There you go. I like it. Again, similar to what you had said with mine, I don't think I need to add anything to that. We can just keep moving along here and uh, and uh, keep going here. So my next one is going to be Martin Luther. And I was trying to come up with creative and unique ways to do some of these. So one I have here is Jordan Heckendorf, best player on the team. I think she has to start shooting even a little bit more when they get into some of these bigger games. She's had a decent amount of shots in the majority of games this year, but there have been a couple where she's only shooting a few times a game. I have her down for, well, I had it pulled up a second ago. Here we go. Eight shots, eight shots, and that may seem like a decent amount. She's got to be up there, I think, near 15 to 20, quite honestly, every game if they want to do every anything in conference play. She's had four games where she hasn't even got to 10 shots, and for whatever reason that may be, She's just going to have to find a way to score and maybe even force some shots up there. So the resolution, get her more open looks, find a way to get her going, because if she can get going, I think that brings their team to a much higher level and it makes them a lot harder to defend as well. So you're calling out the coaching staff. If I hear that correctly, she hasn't had enough open looks. It's not, not that she's not passing not calling them up. it that at all. I'm not calling them out at all. What I mean by saying that is just continue to look to find ways okay. to get her utilized and involved. I would never call a coaching staff out, Ryan. They obviously know a lot more than me, and there's a reason they're in I, that role, and I'm in this role. I'm just reading between the lines and asking the questions that I think people are asking when they listen to this pod. So that's that's all I'm fair, doing. Fair enough. I'm glad you clarify. I just want to make that clear. It's just you, a suggestion and based on what I think and, and can see, but they obviously are doing what they can over there, and they know what they're doing. I'm dishing it wide. I can take it as well. So you feel free to read between the lines as well and uh, throw follow-ups at me as well, especially on this one. This is a little out there. I gave is, you a, a little this, tease on this one. Yeah, I was going to say, is this one of the uh, tees? I, I, I'm ready for it. Well, actually, this wasn't a, something I teased on the pod. This was a, off of the pod before we started, and this is one that has nothing to do with on the floor. And so uh, there's your quick tease on this one. So UW Superior Wyatt, Coach Otto Fisher's club, the Yellow Jackets. We're still on the woman's side, folks. My resolution for them is to draw on the past in order to inspire the future. What do I mean like by a that? Christmas Carol or whatever, <laughs> where the guy goes back in time and then I cannot no. wait to see where this is going. <laughs> so what does that mean? Okay, Wyatt, we know the rich history that they have. We know how dominant they were when they entered into the UMAC after having a lot of success playing against Wisconsin squads before they came to the UMAC. They owned the UMAC for multiple years, and now we've seen them take a step back or even two steps back now over the last couple of seasons. They're trying to stay relevant. They had a dynasty. 
could you argue the dynasty's close to ending? That's why I made the comparison to the New England Patriots uh, earlier this season on the pod. So if I'm Coach Otto Fisher and his staff, alumni players, you got to be connecting with them. They got to be coming back to practice. They got to be in the locker room before the big games, giving some hype speeches, trying to get the squad going. We've heard great things, Wyatt, you and I, about the pregame lineup intros over at UW Superior. Still, still never seen it, so now I'm actually we haven't starting seen it to in wonder person. if it's a real thing or if this is just some like myth we've well, heard. We know in the past, we know in the past, we've heard firsthand accounts from other Northwestern people who have been there and been like, you've got to see this light show. you got to see when they shut the lights out for their woman's squad. I mean, they go all out across the border in Superior. If that's not happening, you need to make that happen again. And then the band as well. I bring up the band, Wyatt, because there aren't too many teams in the UMAC that have a band in their gym for basketball games. I know Superior has it because I saw chunks of their games on the men's and women's side against Bethany Lutheran earlier this season, and their announcers kept complaining that the band was uh, playing at the wrong times and they were too loud. So anyway, all of that is to say the atmosphere at UW-Superior and the supporters that for so many years have supported that dynasty, don't give up on your squad now. They need you. They need all of these outside factors in order to draw on the past to inspire the future and trying to keep UW Superior women's basketball great. That might be the most creative resolution we come up with probably throughout oh, the night. Oh, come on. We're, but, we're not even halfway home. Come on. Well, just, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you brought up the, the alumni connecting with them and stuff. How often do you think that actually happens, though, where they stay in touch and... So, uh, I don't know, but if I'm Coach Otto Fisher and his staff, no excuses. You've got to be reaching out to all of them well, that you still have a connection with. There's not an excuse. You're right. They need to be better than they've been. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. And obviously, they can turn this around. We've seen what they've done. But to say it's been a disappointment so far is probably an understatement. So we'll see if Superior can turn that around this season as they get rolling. This one's pretty straightforward, and so it's going to be quick. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Northland. They're averaging 22 turnovers a game, Ryan. I understand it's Christmas. We're in the giving mood, but uh, they're going to have to cool it a little bit with that and take care of the basketball a little bit more. And I don't know. I mean, if I'm going to set a number I want to see that down at, 15 for starters. I mean, I think 15 or less is more than doable. And if you want to have success, you just you can't turn the ball over 22 times a game. So, And this isn't like a once or twice occurrence. This has been consistent through their first seven games. So... Yeah, stop turning the ball over. Pretty simple. That's their resolution this year. We'll see if they can accomplish that. A lot of resolutions go unfulfilled. We'll see how many of these actually do get fulfilled. That's a good point. I mean, I don't care how talented you are, Wyatt. Yeah, if you turn the ball over that much, it's going to be hard to win basketball games. All right, final one we have on the women's side of things. Side of things, excuse me. Crown College, the Storm, Coach Zabalist Club. This is one I teased earlier, Wyatt, all right? This is where uh, Dominique Urbina gets back into the picture, if you will. The resolution for the storm, find a way to unlock Dominique Urbina. Okay, Wyatt, she had 45 against Scholastica, you mentioned, to break the record in the opener in that huge win for Crown. Since then, she's played in just three games, scored four, eight, and four points. You have got to find a way not to have her get anywhere near 40, okay? That would be great. They would take that, okay? But 
just to get her back to a threat offensively to give yourself a chance in some of these UMAC contests, they're going to have to have some go-to score wide as they continue that rebuild over in St. Bonnie for that squad. We've already seen it from Urbina, okay? We know she has the skill. Get her some confidence going into the new year and find whatever it is you need to do to unlock her in 2022. Well, and that's where the question comes into play, Ryan. It's like, what happened? I mean, she scored 45 points in the one game, so we know she's capable of it. Like you said, it's just a matter of how they do it and how they get her involved. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're they're obviously a much better team and tougher to stop when they get her going now. When you say find a way to unlock her and get her going, how do they do that, though? I mean, do you have any suggestions well, you, off you're, the top of your head? You're, or? You're, you're asking great questions that I don't exactly have the answers to. All because right, you just came up with the resolution. Yeah, well, so it could be, you know, partially mental and confidence. It could be that defenses were just absolutely locked down on her those next three games she played in, and Crown just couldn't find a way to get her open looks. It could be a combination of the two, and really – for her and like it could be for so many players and teams in this period of time right now, Wyatt, maybe the best thing for them could be a long break away. You know, they still are eager to get back on the floor, but maybe the best thing for Urbina is flipping the calendar to 2022, having a fresh mindset and ready to roll again and hungry to get after it when UMAC play starts up. Yeah, it's, it's always an interesting thing to look at when you get into this time of the year. Some teams respond differently than others when it comes to this longer break, and that'll be something to keep an eye on here once we hit 2022. Let's flip over to the men's side of things here, Ryan, and uh, you want to start us off with this one or you want me to? I can start us off. We'll mix so, it up. Like you said, keep people on their toes. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. I have North Central as my first team that I wrote down, so the Rams – Coach DeWitt's club have had some flashes to start the season, but I've mentioned a number of times why I still feel like they're trying to figure out their lineup rotations and not just the starting five, but really how to implement all of their scoring options at the right time. Press the right buttons, if you will, if you're Coach DeWitt and his staff. We know the post players are going to be huge for them, Wyatt. The pair of sophomores, Cam Thomas and Jonathan Thompson. My resolution for North Central heading into 2022, either Thomas or Thompson has got to take their game to the next level if they are going to be able to do what they want to do and make some noise in late February and try to get themselves over the hump, take that next step, and get to a UMAC final this season. Both of them have the talent. You could say, oh, they're both still young. They're only sophomores. How many times have we said it, Wyatt? We said it last year. We said it this year. They were on the floor all the time last year. So they're not your typical sophomores where, you know what, they're still trying to get their feet wet. They've been there for long enough. As they flip the calendar to 2022, one of those two needs to step up. Thomas or Thompson has got to take their game to the next level. Sophomore slump, right? I mean, is that... I didn't say it. You said it. (laughs) Do you buy into that? Do you think that's a real thing, or is that just made up? And uh, I mean, sometimes it can be, and I think it's more mental than anything, Wyatt, for the people we accuse that of, is you sure. get too big of a head and you think you're all hot stuff, and then you realize, you know what, I haven't been doing this long enough to think I'm hot stuff, so I'm not going to claim that on either one of those two because I don't really know them well enough if that's the case, but uh, more times than not, I think the sophomore slump is a mental thing. Yeah, I'd probably agree. It's just it's a catchy phrase, so people have just bought into it and decided to throw it out there. But, no, I would agree with that. I mean, with what we saw them do last year, I I think that's a good resolution for North Central. And like you said, they've shown at times as a team this year, 
what they can be and what we thought they could be at the beginning of the season. So I like that one. I had Bethany Lutheran written down first, Ryan. And again, it's three words. It's pretty simple. Be more consistent. I mean, does anything else need to be said? Like, yes, please elaborate. Please elaborate. (laughs) This is getting ridiculous at this point in the season with what we thought they could be this year. And with all the talent they have, I picked Brian Smith to be my conference player of the year. Wow, there's some frustration here. Wow. I know what they can do, and they just have not got there yet, Ryan. And, I mean, you have to think the same thing. Eventually, it is going to happen. It's just taking so much longer. And the longer it takes, you want to talk about mental. You start to wonder if it's ever going to happen. And I think that gets in the players' heads a little bit, too. And eventually, you start thinking maybe we aren't who we thought we were. So, I don't know. I think they got to turn it around. It starts with consistency night in and night out. Let's see what they do here in their first couple contests coming after break, but I want to see them be more consistent. That seems like a pretty reasonable thing to ask and something that they can absolutely change about themselves in 2022. Very, very fair. I think uh, those are a lot of great points, and Coach Garvin and his staff, I think, are really analyzing a lot of things over this break. And for them, Wyatt, I'll say it like I have for some other teams. Maybe the break could be a huge blessing for them when they come back to UMAC play on the uh, weekend of, what is it, the 7th and the 8th or the 8th and the 9th? Uh, 7th and the 8th of January coming up here when UMAC play gets rolling again. Maybe that could be the best thing for them. They could look like a new team when they hit the floor once again. For their sake, they're they're hoping they look like a new team. Anyways, go ahead. All right, next one that uh, I had written down, the Minnesota Morris Cougars on the men's side of things again, folks. My resolution for Morris, got to find some ways to slow down the pace. Okay, I'm not saying that they got to play Wisconsin basketball and make this an absolute rock fight and make it a snail's pace type of a game. But so far this season, Wyatt, they're averaging 80 points per game. I talked earlier in this pod how they filled it up big time in that one contest last year. We've seen flashes of that early this season. They're deep. They got lots of scores. 80 points per game, but 88 points per game allowed so far this season. And, you know, it's more than just slowing the pace in order to buy in defensively. But in the small spurts that I've seen them play so far this year in matchups against North Central and Northwestern, sometimes it feels like they're just a little bit rushed and they could benefit from slowing down the pace. And maybe that also includes don't crash the glass as much offensively. Make sure you get back. Don't allow transition buckets and really make the opposition work hard for their points. Because it's one thing for us to continually say, I know I've said it a number of times, why they just got to buy in defensively more. They just got to buy in. Well, what does that mean? I think one big piece of that could be Let's not try so hard to get second, third, fourth chances offensively. Sure, you pick your spots, but focus on transition defense, getting back. If you're the Minnesota Morris Cougars, got to find a way to make some adjustments defensively in 2022 to give themselves a chance. And you talk about me showing some anger and frustration. Not that you were angry there, but there was a lot of passion coming from your voice there. And that's an interesting one for them because that's not the way they like to play. You're saying they like to crash the glass? No, no, I'm just saying you you're you started that whole resolution there yeah. with slow down the pace. Yep. That's not Minnesota Morris, so that's almost okay. counterproductive for them. So I'll be interested to see Yeah. You you pick your spots. You can run offensively if you want to. I guess more so what I'm saying is defensively they got to have more of a mindset of we got to get back, get in position and lock things down on that end. 
If they want to throw outlet passes and sprint the other way, by all means, go ahead and do it. That's fun basketball when you got a guy who can leak out. If you think you got a couple guys who lock down the rebounds and then try to get a quick one the other way, that's fine. I was more, you know, insinuating they got to get back defensively better. Sure. But that's, that's, that's fair. It may be a little bit of an identity change for them, definitely, heading into the new year. Sometimes those those are the hardest changes to make, but it's better for you. So, you know, you got to make those tough decisions. and Coaches all the around the conference, Wyatt, I tell you what, they're all looking in the mirror at this time of year, all right? They're questioning <laughs> everything, pouring over all that has happened so far this season to try to make sure they're ready for this stretch run in conference play. I'm going to call you out for that one. I don't think Coach Bruner is doing that right about now. They're 10-0. and They haven't had a close game. I don't think he's questioning He's smiling, Wyatt. He's still looking in the mirror. He just may not be looking in the mirror as long. He's smiling and saying, all right, it's another great day to be alive. We're rolling along. Let's keep this train moving. Sure, there you go. Yeah, you're right. Everybody's definitely, it's the midway point, if you will, and everybody's looking at things you can do better and... And, you know, this is why we're kind of doing this segment is we're trying to find ways these teams can better themselves. The next one I had was Superior. They got to start scoring more, Ryan. There's a lot of talent on that team. To me, they have not scored enough. They've only scored 80 points in two of their games this year. They have 13 games left on the schedule. This is a weird resolution, but I want them to score 80 points at least five of their final 13 games. Does that seem reasonable? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in a lot of games, they're probably going to have to do that in order to come well, up with some yeah. wins and be there down the stretch in the top half of the UMAC and have a chance to make the playoffs. And they have a good defense, and it's not necessarily their style to go quick by any means, but you're just not going to win a lot of games in this conference scoring 65, 70 points a game. And so the fact that they've only been able to put up 80 twice is a little concerning, and I think they have to change almost on the flip side of that from what we just talked about with Morris, and they have to say... Let's start crashing the glass, trying to push the ball in transition. We just got to find a way to get points up on that scoreboard. Your guy, your guys, Walker and Vogel, they got to start heating up a little bit for your I, score. I, I need it bad. Hey, we should give a shout out to Matthew Bauman as well, I feel like. I mean, that dude put together a spreadsheet for us for fantasy basketball. Absolutely. He, he's listening to every podcast. Shout out Tip to Matthew. Tip of the cap. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, that's all I got for them. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot more that needs to be said. I, they they just got to score more, and and I think that'll be the determining factor in how much success they have this year in conference. Maybe they'll come back a team that's renewed and ready to roll when they get back on campus uh, after the experience in Vegas over winter break. I mean, Vegas can do a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but let's hope for Coach Polkowski's <laughs> club it's for the best. Oh my goodness, Ryan. Yeah, no, hey, I mean, you know what they say, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, so... Well, except, I mean, yeah, it's the D3 so Hoops basketball classic, whatever they want to call let's, it. So, let's yeah. hope if they score a lot of points, that does not stay in Vegas, and they're able to bring that back, but that's just what they say, so we'll, we'll find out. Uh. Alrighty, moving on, next one that I have, the Martin Luther College Knights, Coach Holtheater's Club. Preseason, I was high on them, saying they're going to make a jump. There's still time to do so, but I, I tell you what, this is going to be similar to a point that you had a little earlier talking about Coach Tucker's squad for the Lumberjills. I'm talking about turnovers wide. I'm talking about getting the butter off of the basketball. Yeah, they have like got the butter. <laughs> they've got to take better care of the basketball in 2022. Right now, they're averaging 18 turnovers per game on the season and we talk about it so 
often why in the game of basketball and in all sports, how much of a margin for error that you have. Martin Luther, with a number of these matchups that they're playing in, they have much less of a margin for error versus other teams that they're going up against. They're not as explosive offensively. They're going to try to dig in and work really hard defensively. Coach Holtzheater was telling us on the pod, again, if you want to go back and listen to that one, it is there and free uh, well, for your and, listening. And, but, and let's be clear, he was telling you that was the one I unfortunately but, had But you listen to it, right? Well, so yeah, you, know, you know what he said. Yes, yes. 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 Okay. So in essence, he told us, like I was saying, that they have to be really good defensively, be connected, be on the same page. And he even brought up the turnovers, like I'm saying right now, because he's saying just to give us a chance offensively, we got to take care of the ball well, and we got to be a connected unit defensively. You talked earlier what the numbers got to get down to. I'll say for Martin Luther, I mean, to start off, if we can say near the end of January, it's down to near 14 or 15 turnovers a game. That'll give you a chance. I know that doesn't seem like a lot, folks. If it could get closer to 11 or 12, that'd be even better. But 18 turnovers per game right now for the Knights with the struggles they've had offensively so far, that's just not going to cut it for Martin Luther. Nope, you, you hit the uh, nail on the head with the hammer there, Ryan. You just got to take care of the basketball. It doesn't matter what program we're talking about. If you're turning the ball over at that volume, it just isn't going to end well. And I think we've seen that a little bit this year with them. And when have we ever seen a team in the past turn the ball over that much and have success? You know what I mean? It, it's like if you were to compare it to football, the teams that win the turnover battle often win the football game. And, and one of our favorite football coaches, Wyatt, what does he say about turnovers? You probably don't know this quote, actually. Are you talking about P.J. Fleck? He, <laughs> maybe, maybe he not. He's not one of what? our favorite coaches. Oh, come on. He's entertaining, if nothing else, all right? That's, he that's says, the problem. He's an entertainer, <laughs> not a coach. That's not what I said. He says, the ball is the program. Literally, you got to value that thing as much as you do the state of the program. Now, maybe that's a stretch for UMAC basketball in Division Three hoops, but it gets you thinking about, you know what, we really got to value this thing a heck of a lot, and turnovers, we could get into a whole argument, are probably more important in football than they are in basketball, although they are important in both sports, but we'll, we'll leave it there. Maybe some more football conversation later as I uh, hand it back over to you. That explains a lot about some of his decision-making in games. <laughs> but uh, anyways, next one I had was the University of Northwestern Eagles. There's a lot of good shooters on this team, right, Ryan? You know, we could start, yeah. going, we could start going through the list. They're shooting 67%, though, from the free throw line. And, you know, that's just not going to cut it, in my opinion. When you get in games towards the end of the season, when you have to make free throws ice games away you got to be shooting better than 67% as a team, which I understand seems like you're near the average for most teams, but when you got Noah Alm shooting just 77% from the free throw line and Kyle Kamink yeah. 61%, that is a major problem and a concern. That has to improve in 2022. So the resolution, whether it's in the gym and practice, shooting more free throws as a team, just finding a way to make them in games, I don't care what it is, the resolution is they have got to shoot free throws better. Yeah, that's a great point, Wyatt, because those numbers are pretty shocking when you watch Noah and Kyle and just what they do on the floor and when they're getting open jump shots, you almost feel like they're hitting a near the same percentage or a higher percentage than those numbers you just gave, especially for Kyle. What did you say, 60 what percent? 
61, which I can try and pull it up quick and make sure that's I had that right. That, that's about what he was at, I'm pretty sure, yeah. when I looked. And it, it almost, you start to wonder, is this a mental thing, too? I mean, basketball oftentimes can be so mental with if things just start to slide and escalate a little bit, it can be really tough to get it back on track, and that may be the case right now for some of these guys. Because in the past, they've shot free throws really well. We haven't seen that from Noah Allmer, Kyle. Kyle's 64, so he's a little bit better than the 61, still. but still, that's that's... Yeah. It's not a small sample size by any means either. I mean, he's 31 for 48. And obviously, Henry hasn't necessarily been a great free throw shooter, but he's shooting 53%. Yep. So, I they, mean, they both can be better, and they both would tell you that they got to be better. And I'm glad that you mentioned practice, Wyatt. I mean, it's the adage that coaches use a lot. If we're not shooting well with free throws, when do you do that? At yeah. the end of practice, when your yeah. legs are tired, when you want to tap out, when you want to be done, get out of the gym. Coaches say, no, you get on the line, and if you really want to put some heat on, you go up and down the line with your whole squad, and you're running killers or sprints or whatever you want to call them when you miss. And now Coach Gross and his staff, obviously, they know what they're doing. But if they want to put some heat on their club and say, we got to correct this thing, whether it's you split up the guys and say, we got to make X percentage, and you come back with the number, and if not, we're running. If not, you guys can leave practice I think that's something that's going to be huge to watch here later on this season because a lot of things we say with that program wide, oh, we're nitpicking. They're the cream of the crop for a reason. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's going to be a storyline to watch for Eagles basketball. It'll get them if they're not careful. I mean, they, they've gotten into a pattern where they lose a game a year, it seems like, where it wasn't really anticipated or expected. Last year's was to crown, obviously, and – if you're not making free throws and closing out games, you're going to set yourself up for another opportunity to have that happen again. And you're saying it's going to happen again. If folks listen to the last pod, you're saying it's going to happen at some point. Hey, remember the philosophy behind that decision making. <laughs> let's let's continue here. We don't need to go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. Okay, we got uh, one more here. Final one. The Northland College Lumberjacks. Coach Sorensen's club, he had plenty to say in the last pod. Fun conversation. If you haven't listened to that one yet, please uh, go back and do so. It is there whenever you would like to do that. Wyatt, this one also has nothing to do with on the floor. All right? That's okay. I know it's early in the season, and I know they have plenty of losses if you look at the schedule so far, but they scheduled tough. Like Coach Sorensen said, they got two huge wins at home to open up UMAC play. The resolution for the Lumberjacks. This one's directed at the fans, all right? Lumberjack Nation, embrace this squad and make, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, the Kendrigan Center a tough place to play in February. When they're headed down the stretch, because they'll be there, Wyatt, in February, they will have a chance. If they can get some clutch big-time home wins, they will have an opportunity to get into the UMAC playoffs and be one of those top four teams, which would be monumental for this program to improve to a point where they're playing postseason basketball, make that place a tough place to play. I don't know what names you want to call it, why it kind of looks like a little barn to me. It's a low ceiling. It's kind of an interesting looking gym. Call it whatever you want. I'm not sure what they call it over there in Ashland, Wisconsin. Make that a tough place to play. I don't know if they need a chainsaw noise sound effect that they're roaring at every timeout. You're pulling out all the stops. Get creative and make that a tough place to play and get Coach Sorensen's club over the hump and try to get them into the UMAC tournament this season. 
Well, they've they've certainly gotten off to the best start you could have envisioned, going two and zero and beating Bethany in one of those games too. So off to a good start. It, how much can the team really determine that success though, as far as getting people? To the gym. I mean, they've won their first two conference games. It's not like they can do anything from yeah. that. You can tell people what, to show up. But what do you mean? They gotta, what do you mean, Wyatt? They have these, to make these the kids decision. on the squad. What do these kids on the squad do every day? Hey, Go well, to class. Well, Who do they well, see at hey, class? Other as, students. As, as teachers. far as we know, they're going to class. I mean, you're, you're <laughs> telling me you're making sure each one of their players is going to class each and every day. And you're uh, kind of alluding to what uh, Coach Sorensen was talking about <laughs> in the last pod. I why I assume some of them are going to class some of the time. Okay, they have some say in it. All right. I'm just saying Jordan Brennan and Ryan Rollins, the leaders on that squad, they have a say in it for who shows up. If they need to give some incentives for people to show up, I'm not sure what they got to do, but that gym has got to be rocking and rolling in February for the Lumberjacks, and they have no excuse if that's not the case well, later see, on this season. I completely disagree with you there when you wow. say it's no excuse because – they can do whatever they want to try and get somebody to show up, but at the end of the day, that person has to no, make no, that no. decision on their own. I, I wasn't. I was alluding to lumberjack fans have no excuse, not the okay, players. Good. You're right. Okay, the, now, play, the players can do a certain extent of yes. trying to get people into the gym. Correct. But once it becomes game day, they just got to zero in and focus on their job, and then just go to work when okay, the time I think, comes. I think we're on the same page now. <laughs> Anyways, that's that's good. Last one for me on the men's side, and I forgot. Did you start? So is this technically the last one? This is it. You got to talk about Coach Herbert's club. I get to talk about Crown. That was our – who did we interview first, him or Grove in that episode? I forget. I think it was Grove. I think it was Grove. So Herbert was the second interview we ever did. First first men's coach we ever talked to. But it was the first men's coach we ever talked to. I look at this Crown team. I've seen a lot of good things from them. But then there's been times where I think they need to improve on things, and one of those things, Ryan, is their three-point shooting. I mentioned Morris on the women's side. Crown's right around that same percentage. They're shooting 28% from three this year. If there's something that holds this team back, it's going to be the three ball this year. They have got to find a way to make some triples, especially against the top teams in the conference because they can fill it up on any given night. Crown is going to have to find a way to stroke the three better in 2022. How do they fix that? You asked me earlier, put me on the spot, and said, how do they fix that for another team? I don't remember what it was, but what what would you be doing, Coach Morrell, if uh, you're trying to fix Crown College shooting woes from downtown? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think it's a certain thing by any means or one simple answer to fix it. It honestly just comes from just seeing one or two go through the hoop, quite honestly. It's a confidence thing, maybe, if anything. They have enough guys there that can score and fill it up. They're just going to have to find a way to do it from downtown. I mean, there's guys on that roster that we know can shoot the three. And it could be a case where it's been the perfect storm this year, Ryan, where it just hasn't quite come together yet and everybody's been a little streaky at times. Don't get me wrong. I expect that number to go up. I I, I do. I think it's safe to say they're going to shoot better than 28% the rest of the year from three-point range. As far as what they need to do to fix it, I'd say don't overthink it, quite honestly. I don't think you change up what you're doing in practice by any means or even in games. When the shot's there, take it. You start to see a few knock down. I think they'll calm down and start making them. Don't overanalyze it. That's fair. That's the way it can be with a lot of clubs. But if they need to pull in someone else, we gave a shout-out earlier. I have one more shout-out, and I'm not going to drop his name. But there is someone in the Crown College Athletic Department who's got a pretty sweet, silky smooth stroke, a lefty who I've seen knock down a number of triples in his time. So... 
if they want to pull in someone else and uh, just get another opinion on knocking down the three ball, uh, go ahead and talk to him. I know he listens to well, the pod quite often, so he'll probably hear this. Obviously, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> I won't say his name either. I didn't realize he did listen to the pod often. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's he's giving me some intel for Crown here and there. Not that we're not getting enough from other people, but, hey, we appreciate all of that. And We mentioned earlier why some people have hopped onto this thing more than others, and Crown's right up there at the top for giving us intel, so we appreciate that. Here's the deal. The only thing I'll say about that, and I'm not talking about the intel. I'm talking about to your previous comment about the smooth <laughs> shot. He better have a smooth shot if he's left-handed because left-handed shooters that don't have a smooth <laughs> shot have the ugliest shots in the world. It's there's no, There is no in-between. It's either the worst thing you've ever seen or it's like just smooth as can be. So Watching Blake Hoffarber back in the day for Tubby Smith's Golden <laughs> Gophers. Ooh, that was silky smooth. Hoffarber, uh, I mean, he'll be remembered for two things. One, his shot in the state tournament in high school, and then the shot against Indiana on uh, yep. on the one leg. That I remember incredible. where I was on that Friday night in that upset win against IU. That was that was a memorable night. Uh, I was getting ready for a travel basketball game the next day, so my parents made me go to bed. So sad, wow. sad, sad story. Wow. Not a true Gopher fan. <sighs> wow. Calling me out now. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's end that there with the resolutions before we get any crazier. That's all we have as far as UMAC basketball goes on the pod this week, Ryan. Lots of good stuff. We'll get more interviews, get stuff going again once we start back up in the new year. There will be plenty of more action as we start to get things rolling again. It's kind of been that lull time in the season right now, so there hasn't been a lot, but we did just take an hour to dive into all of that. So we can talk. I guess we've, we're uh, good. we've said that before to, for people. Uh, we'll find things to talk about, I, but I, I, I hope this is interesting for people. We talked about every well, team. Wyatt. Again, if they're listening to this podcast for UMAC basketball, I'm sure they find it interesting. So I think, I think it's all good. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we sign off tonight though? You got to make your picks for me. Are, I said it on the last okay. pod. You, you got to give me your CFP picks. For those folks who do not know and haven't listened to the pod or don't know Wyatt well enough, he is a big-time Georgia Bulldog football fan. So it's if you have no other stakes in the playoffs other than I heard this guy on a podcast that I like and that makes you want to pull for Georgia, then go ahead and do so. So the floor is yours, Mr. Morell. What do you want me to start? Alabama, Cincinnati? Let's start. Well, you're going to give me your predictions too, right? Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, you're not just going to make me do it. Here's the deal. I like to think of myself as a pretty good college football analyst, but my capital ah. one bowl mania picks would completely <laughs> prove otherwise at that point. I've Did, completely... Hey, real quick, real quick. Didn't you pick West Virginia? Did I see that correctly? Well, of course. I picked West oh, Virginia. That's... That's a I, whole You should have advised me. We, Even <laughs> moving, moving aside the Gopher bias, they, that was a loser-proof game. Should, there was no way the Gophers were going to lose. I should have advised you. Okay, Ryan, here's the deal. <laughs> That's a whole other topic we can talk about off the air as to why I picked West Virginia. But anyways, here's the deal with Alabama-Cincinnati. Everything on paper and everything I've heard and watched leading up to this game tells me that Cincinnati should be able to not only stick around with Alabama, but beat them. I look at their two corners in Gardner and Bryant, and I say to myself, how is Alabama going to throw on them? I mean, it doesn't matter what side of the field Jamison Williams lines up on. Cincinnati should be able to cover him and keep him contained. Again, you're not going to shut him down for an entire game, but keep him contained. And Alabama's run game has been a disaster. But at the end of the day, this is Nick Saban we're talking about, Ryan. He's had a long time to prepare. It's really hard for me to pick against Alabama. 
I wish the Georgia-Michigan game was first because if Michigan were to beat Georgia, I would 100% be all in on Cincinnati and I'd want Cincinnati to win. But as a Georgia fan, if we're going to win a national championship, I want it to be against Alabama. I want us to slay the beast, if you will, finally get over that hump. It, it will mean, quite honestly, I would go as far as to say it won't mean quite as much if it's against Cincinnati rather than Alabama. So I want Alabama to win that game for that reason. But I also think they're going to win just from the sake of looking at these two teams. Bryce Young, I think, is the X factor. He does just enough to win that game for Alabama. Let's say, what, 31-24 final. The Heisman Trophy winner is the X factor. I mean, yeah, you Bryce, can, Bryce is going to show you up. Can, yeah, yeah, obviously <laughs> that's not your traditional X factor, but you get what I'm saying. And you can credit George's defense to giving him that Heisman Trophy, basically. I mean, that was locked up after that performance. Yeah. Yeah, no, I understand. I'm uh, I'm disappointed in you, Wyatt, that you're not going to have more fun with that first game and be cheering for Cincinnati because uh, I'm going to be cheering real hard for Cincinnati. Uh, we've talked a lot about them over the last couple of years. I said they should get some respect. You mentioned the corners. I mean, I thought you broke that down well, but I knew there was a but. I knew there was a but. You're an well, SEC guy. You were never going to actually pick Cincinnati. It was always going to come back around to Alabama. I again, get it. Again, if Georgia had beaten <laughs> Alabama already – in Kirby Smart's era, then this would be a completely different conversation. But as long as that's looming over him, I'm not going to feel comfortable about Georgia taking the next step and being a dynasty. But as soon as they get that one win against him, that's it, man. It's over. It's flipped, and Georgia is the new dynasty. Yeah, I mean, just real quickly on Cincinnati, I mean, I I am so looking forward to seeing Sauce Gardner, as they call him, lined up. Mono Imano on Jamison Williams. They'll play bump and run coverage. They'll be aggressive. I hope they will. I want to see Bryce Young chuck it down the sideline, Wyatt, and Jamison Williams and Sauce Gardner be step for step with the ball in the air and then just let the chips fall as they may. That is appointment television to see those two go at it. Kobe Bryant on the other side of the field, he's been number seven all year long, Wyatt. He's going to be wearing number eight, and I think people know why. Hey, and, so, and I love that. I absolutely yeah. love it. I, I think, I mean, Luke Fickle has been building for this moment. He is no Nick Saban. You can't replicate experience. You can't buy experience. You just have it or you don't. So, obviously, I'm not going to rip Nick. But I think Fickle's really excited for this. We'll see what happens. I'm going to be cheering so much for Cincinnati to knock off the beast that's Alabama. I'd probably have to take Alabama, too. At the end of the day, I know I just Are ripped you, you for it. But... Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> You you cannot sit no, there. No, no. For fun, for fun, I'll take Cincinnati. No, okay? you I'll already, take Cincinnati. you've already made no, 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 your no, no. real intentions. I think it can happen. No. I think you, it can happen. There's a difference was, between thinking it can happen and I was what close. your real here's, intentions are. Here's the deal, Wyatt. Here's the deal. Desmond Ritter. If he doesn't Overrated. turn the ball over, if he doesn't turn the ball over, Cincinnati wins. Period. You're saying if he has zero turnovers, they if win If he game. has zero turnovers, they win the game. They still may be able to do though? it with one turnover. May not. Here's the deal. They've got to run him a lot. Get him out of the pocket. Get him moving. That causes Bama problems. Have designed runs for him as well. Make that defense move laterally and as best as you can. Try to neutralize the linebacker, Will Anderson. And as I'm going on and on and on, I realize so many people listening are like, what are these They've guys talking the about? doesn't matter. That's fine. And, and that's a good point, White. That's why we put this at the end. So uh, I'll continue. Yeah. Cincinnati, give me Cincinnati, okay? Put it on the record, Wyatt. You can throw the egg in my face the next time we record. I'm saying Cincinnati is going to win this football game 
27 to 23. They're going to find a way to knock off the tide. Gardner and Bryant will be the story, and Desmond Ritter will do just enough to make enough plays and beat Alabama. Did you say, uh, what did you say the score was there? 27-23. 27-23. See, I don't know if I can take that completely serious, though, because you because already you said think... you were taking Alabama. <laughs> and now you've gone back on it. You're a hypocrite, Ryan. You you talked me into it. I said it, it, you can throw egg in my face now. I'm trying to give you some enjoyment. If Alabama wins the game, you'll actually be excited for a reason because you can call me out next and time then, we record. And then after Georgia loses to Michigan somehow <laughs> on a fluke play, it'll be the worst <laughs> night ever because it'll be Michigan and Alabama in the national what, championship. What score are the dogs winning, Wyatt? What score does Georgia win? Well, they've had a lot of problems with COVID. I don't know what you've been keeping up with. They've had a couple offensive guys that we've been concerned about, which have arrived now, and they're ready to go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is Brock okay? Is Mr. Bowers okay? Yeah, the the legend of Brock Bowers okay. is put, okay. Put him so in bubble wrap. Make sure he's good to go. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how he's come on this year and just been fantastic. But anyways, they're going to win this game, and it's pretty simple why. It's a bad matchup for Michigan. They run the football 55 times a game. What has Georgia been impossible? Or how do I say this? What have they been so... Yeah perfect at stopping this year it's the run Alabama beat them because they threw over the top and I said all year Ryan and you can vouch for me on this if you're going to beat Georgia you have to throw the ball over the top that's exactly what Alabama did you're calling out Cade McNamara you don't believe in Cade huh you do no not necessarily I will say though He's the best quarterback Harbaugh's had in a long time. I don't think the kid gets enough credit. He was way better in the games against Ohio State and going back to the game against Michigan State than I ever thought he would be. So they actually got a quarterback now in Ann Arbor for once. They're going to have to be creative, and I don't see them getting that creative, unfortunately. I think they're going to be fairly vanilla tomorrow night, which obviously reveals when we're <laughs> recording this podcast Took us a while, now. though. <laughs> we finally got it out. We always seem to every single episode. But anyways... I, I got Georgia winning this one. I don't know how much Georgia is going to be able to score against Michigan, so I do think it's fairly low scoring. Go 26 to 14, 13, something like that. Wow, what a defensive performance. They're, I'm not it, saying it's impossible, but if they hold Michigan to 13 or 14, that is Well, I don't else. anticipate Georgia getting too aggressive with Bennett either until we yeah. have to, and I don't know if we're necessarily yep. going to have to either. Because if we can play with the lead, we're just going to keep working our running backs, not turn the ball over, trust our defense. I could see this game being shortened up, and I could see it being low scoring. But then Georgia's just going to have to stay in front of the chains, and they're going to have to run the ball well, which isn't going to be tough to do. Because if you get in third down and long, everyone talks about Aiden Hutchinson Wyatt, and you well, know, rightfully you so, he game. could be the, he could be the number one overall pick. But don't forget about Ajabo on the other side of the field, who also has double digit sacks. I think he's got ten or eleven. Only duo in the country. That's how you have... take him out of games. You got to run. You got to run so, effectively on first. You so have you're to just win saying... first and second down. You're saying they're not going to have to worry about third downs and lawns just because there's not going to be that many of them. They they will when they're there, but yes, correct. I think they okay. can win first and second down and keep those guys at bay because, like you said, you get into those situations or you get into obvious pass downs, you better have some quick hitters ready to go because I don't see Georgia's offensive line holding up that well against those guys. So so who's the offense MVP then? Are you saying Zeus is going to have a big game? Zamir's going to run wild? No, I'd say Cook, honestly. I, I as as much as I've liked Zeus over his career, great story, background, all that. I've said it for the last four years. James Cook has been at Georgia. You've heard me say this as well. 
I think they've misused him at times. And when they have utilized him this year, we've seen what he can do. He's dangerous out of the backfield as a pass catcher. I was going to say, I think that's where he's most dangerous is as a receiver. He's got that extra burst, extra step almost that Zeus doesn't have, the quickness factor. Get him on the edge, let him make plays. I think he could be in for a big game, and he'll be the X factor on the offensive side. I think we have to utilize him. And then when we get in those short situations, that's when you put Zeus in there, let him run for a few yards, and then we'll you know worry about the rest later. You're getting me excited for this game wide. I told you off mic, I've been a I'm lot excited. more uh, listening and reading stuff about Bama, Cincinnati, and then just saying you know Georgia, you know Michigan. We'll get there, but that's later on at night. Now I, I'm a little more excited for that one too. Let's get it on Orange Bowl well, under the lights, Miami. Hey, I mean, we're we're less than 24 hours away right now, Ryan. We're going to have one game decided and the other one at least at, what, halftime probably or so? So, I mean, Yeah, they moved up go. the start times this year, and I'm not sure why. I don't know why the well, first one started they, at 2.30. Didn't they normally do it on New Year's Day? Well, they switched and it back and forth, New Year's and New Year's Day. But normally the first one doesn't start till like, at least 3.30 or 4, which I like that better. Let's build the drama well, and push it too. back. I do, too, especially if it's New Year's Eve when you're going to be staying up till midnight anyways. I mean, well, some people still do that. I, I do, at least. But I, I don't know. I just How I, many people, Wyatt, are actually still listening to the pod? <laughs> over under two and a half? Probably family members at this point. I think we I can, think we got more than two and a half, to be we honest. Can, we can end it there. But, yes, I'm looking forward to those games. I got Georgia-Alabama yeah. and the national championship, and it sounds like you you didn't say Georgia or Michigan. Who do you got? I'm taking Georgia. I think it's going to be closer than you think, and I think Stetson's going to be under a little bit more pressure, and it's just going to be can they neutralize Hutchinson and Ajabo enough because I think they're going to face more passing downs than you think, and they just can't let those two ruin the game. I think that's literally the difference for Michigan. Can those two make enough big plays to kill drives for Georgia and keep it low scoring enough to give McNamara a chance down the stretch? Because I think early he's going to struggle. I think the Georgia defense is going to be hungry. They're going to want redemption and respond and say what you saw against Bama is not what we are. Now that we're on the big stage, once again, a standalone game, we're going to show you what this defense really is all about. So I think they come out with their heads on fire, and it's just Michigan going to be, can they get to late in the game and have a chance for Hutchinson and Ajabo to make a couple big plays? Well, there you go. With that, you want to take us out for this episode, Ryan? Sure, you know, might as well now at this point that we're uh, at whatever point we are. It's been a while. But uh, thanks so much to all those uh, who tuned in to listen to this one for however long that you did. If you're listening to this part now, I guess you made it all the way through. So uh, congrats to you. Shoot us an email, UAO, the UMAC at gmail.com. Let us know you got all the way through and give us your college football playoff picks as well so we know that you uh, actually listen to the whole thing but uh <laughs> we'll be back next week with another pod we will have coaches back on again in future pods so don't worry about that gonna get some more player interviews as well happy new year to all of you listening merry christmas as well i'll keep saying that we're in the midst of the 12 days of christmas so uh, we look forward to catching you next time here on unlike any other the umac